welcome back. And today we're going to be discussing some of the educational trends that will trickle into the following school year. Number one is going to be professional development and what that's going to look like moving forward for teachers, staff, and educational leaders. The second is going to be why PBL is going to be the way of the future. Number three is that hopefully school will not return back to the same as it was before. Four is budget and how that's going to affect the 2020-2021 school year. Throughout these last few weeks, we've really seen race rise to the forefront, so we're going to discuss that. And the last thing is going to be digital safety. So first and foremost, I just want to talk about professional development and how professional development really needs to change moving forward. As we've seen over this COVID-19 crisis and discussed as my previous video is that professional development has really changed in the forefront of this pandemic, meaning that people are having more creative collaboration amongst everywhere across the world. We're seeing that you can present virtually at conferences, you can attend things that you've never been able to attend before. And so that's just been really impactful and meaningful previously discussed, it's just a little bit kind of touched on how professional development needs to be changed. But what we really need to do is we really need to honor the gift of time for our teachers. We need to have professional development really turned upside down. What we can take away from how teachers have been collaborating is we can use this ourselves at the district level or even to encourage collaboration statewide. Because it varies so much from state to state and the standards that students are required to meet, sometimes it can make it a little bit more difficult to collaborate in that creative way across the state lines. First thing that I would say is instead of teachers meeting just with their peer, so let's just say my co-teacher who might have 1,000 years experience and my other co-teacher that has one year of experience, instead why don't you invite others from the district, whether you know all the first grade teachers go into one first grade teacher's room, you pull up the Zoom and you kind of collaborate together and we'll talk about what that will look like as far as like a PBL project or something like that. So really utilizing those resources that teachers have the opportunity to explore during this time. I've also had this discussion with some district and industry leaders is that they're purchasing tools like Screencastify and Zoom and other things to really um, bring their remote learning online and interactive. We know that the way of the future is really going to be that flipped type of model, that remote style of learning. While it doesn't work for everyone, everyone utilizes it. We can see it on YouTube. I wanna fix something at home. I go to YouTube and I figure out what to do. I go to Pinterest. I find some way to learn what it is that I need to learn and quickly. So we also need to do the same sort of thing for our students because they're going to constantly question you, well, why do I need to listen to you when I can quickly find my resources and information on Google? So we want to make the learning experience more impactful, engaging, and meaningful. And we also want this to be for our teachers. You're not just planning to plan. You're not just planning everything that you had before. I'm really giving them that gift of time and space and collaboration. And so you put all of your first grade teachers, maybe you're inviting your neighboring district, maybe you're collaborating. So I live in Austin, maybe I collaborate with a teacher in Houston, and we can kind of collaborate and kind of do a project. What's really great about utilizing it in that way is that you can break up the pieces and have more of a project style management. So maybe you introduce a tool like Trello, or maybe you introduce, you know, maybe just even like something simple like a Google spreadsheet and where everyone has certain tasks. This is beneficial for teachers and it's also going to be a beneficial type of tool for students because that's what industry is asking for is that many people don't just have one role 
within their field, they are working with multiple stakeholders and you know, teams, marketing team and different kinds of teams across state lines, sometimes nationwide. So just some things to kind of consider when working that way. And then what you do is you divvy up the project. So instead of one teacher carrying the bulk of the weight, now you have each team carrying something. Not only are you going to have your own data to see if that learning was meaningful, if the students showed growth, if they could meet their metrics, now you have data from your teams across your schools and maybe even in across different cities. So it gives for a much larger data pool in comparison to see if what it is that you're doing is really working. The next thing is PBL really is going to be the way moving forward. And that is project-based learning or problem-based learning. So if you're not sure what that is, there's some resources below that you can just kind of read up about that. But basically there is a problem presented for the students or some kind of, you know, overall learning goal. And the students have to work with other people in their groups. Um, sometimes it can be done independently, but mostly um, they work in groups and then they produce some kind of a product at the end that they could show. So it could just be, you know, it could be something that they created in SketchUp. It could be just a PowerPoint presentation. It could be something that's really solving that or showing their mastery of learning in a different way. What I recommend doing here is that most districts have their, you know, unit plans for every single subject area, where students should be, what they're doing first quarter, what they're doing second quarter, what they're doing third quarter, what they're doing fourth quarter. Obviously this changes for, you know, the middle school levels and the high school levels and things like that, but you can still approach it in the same way. So you get out your unit plan and then you decide which of the units that you're working on in this quarter is going to reach all the other things that you're doing and can you shuffle some of them around? There's no problem with moving something around as long as the students are still receiving the information. Let's say in this case we are discussing matter and energy in science. So what we'll do is we'll take that unit plan. We know that what we're focusing on in the subject is going to be matter and energy and then what we're going to do is we're going to look at the other things that we're working on. So maybe the students are working on procedural text. Perfect match. Um, maybe it is that they need to interpret graphs and information. So that's perfect, the perfect math skill that kind of goes in there. And then you kind of look and see what pieces and parts can kind of match with that overall project or how can they kind of work cohesively together. Then you look at your standards and you see which ones can be plugged into place. So not only do you have those projects and those, you know, units that need to be mastered, but you also have your standards that you can incorporate. So if I'm doing matter and energy, I could, you know, have my students through those hands-on workshops, or in this case, a lot of teachers have been shifting to that remote style learning with having, you could get on a Zoom call with an industry leader and they can talk with your kiddos about some things, or maybe they go on, you know, a virtual field trip or some kind of a way to kind of do that. What's really nice about doing the project-based learning or problem-based learning at home is that the students can get a little bit more creative and they're less restrictive to what you just have within your four walls. This gives them a bigger opportunity to find things in their home that might help support the project that they're doing. It's also a really great way where you can incorporate computer science. So 
I'm working on matter and energy and I need to present something, I could create a story in Scratch or I could create an app that might represent the topic that I'm talking about. So there's lots of computational thinking and problem solving that's kind of all going into it. And what's really nice about that is instead of doing so much busy work, which we found so much during this time that students just really don't thrive with busy work. Don't get me wrong, been in the classroom, there is always a time and place for busy work, but it doesn't really lend itself so well to student learning. It helps when you're reinforcing skills and concepts, that test-taking strategy, but what you'll actually see is that students actually will thrive in a greater way when they have kind of the ability to create. What I will tell you is that right away when you very first introduce something like this, the students are really going to struggle. Um, they're going to struggle because we have so often told them exactly what they need to do and how they need to do it. And so they kind of have to kind of foster that way. But if they see that like I'm in Austin and my classmates in Houston, my other friends in Houston, just like, you know, we collaborate with teachers, students also want to do the same. They might see that they're doing that. Oh, this is so much cooler. They have much larger investment. They're more engaged. That's really what we want them to do. Learners just don't learn in the same way that they used to. And we know that talking to most teachers across the landscape is we even as adults don't learn in the same way that we used to. We, we can't just sit all day and just fill out worksheets and find meaning from it. We learn from experience and failure and hardship and that's kind of what you want to have happen. And that's what you'll see highlighted a lot when you do problem or project-based learning where you're producing some kind of project at the end. They just thrive more in that way. And there is some research to actually support that. And some of the research that has been found when students are doing that project-based inquiry type of program is that they shows a greater um, growth for students in all ability levels. And then you also see that there is a greater engagement from students from different diversity and backgrounds. So they really grow and they really can show a mastery of learning. So I'll link that um, article below as well for you guys to be able to see that and how much of an increase it actually does do for students. So it's pretty important bring in that problem-based and project-based learning for your students. If you need some more information about it, I've actually written an article about it, so I'll link that also below for you to check out. The third thing that I wanted to discuss today is that school just isn't going to be the same. And what do we mean by that? Is that Superintendent Dallas ISD and other school and district leaders that I've spoken to from my work at CodeMonkey uh, have discussed that school just isn't going to go back in the same way that we thought it was. So there's a couple of different plans that they have in place. Plan is that plan A is that everything goes back to normal. Plan B is that it's fully remote until the end of 2020, or that there's some kind of a hybrid, which I've discussed before. Um, so we just know that school isn't gonna return the same as it was before. And what we also hope from that is that school doesn't look the same as it did before. COVID-19 has been the greatest shakeup in education that we've seen in a long time. Obviously equity and different things have really come to shine in the light here, but the amount of resources and innovation and creativity that have been happening nationwide has been really miraculous. And hopefully, if you listen to any podcasts or, you know, really take in any information, hopefully it won't look the same as it did before. This is the greatest opportunity that we've had to really shake up education and to really get parents and stakeholders on board. What we've also seen is really increase of transparency among parents. And I hope that moving forward, and I would highly recommend moving forward that you don't just shut your door, that you really have that same transparency that you had before. There is no reason to close your doors. 
Um, I was in a demonstration school, and I know that a lot of schools are starting to do this as well, um, where we had visitors all the time. And actually what it did is it actually made students more accountable for their learning. They can't just go home and say, oh, I didn't do anything today to actually come home with excitement. And a lot of times what they actually do is they actually start seeking those project-based type of they learned in their, in the school and start seeking opportunities to learn more about it outside of school because they're so jazzed and really invested in what it is that they're learning. So I really hope that as industry leaders that we don't go back to how school was before, the same thing, and hopefully this is the change that education needed for a very long time. Collaboration, communication, all of those pieces that we learn on the outside world, let's bring them in. Let's incorporate those TikTok type style videos for students and kind of that growth that we've seen from being able to communicate from afar and bring that into our classrooms. Number four is budget. Budget, we know that most districts are facing anywhere from a five to a 20% budget cut. And that's obviously due to the taxes coming in later, the increase of cut positions and jobs. This is the highest unemployment rate we've had in the last 50 years, and it's getting dangerously close to what it was in you know, the economic depression. And so hopefully we don't reach that point, but that does in fact affect our schools. So I recently was reading an article about a proposal that if districts and states started to pool their tax revenues together from either the state level or a county level, that actually each state and school district would see a thousand dollar increase per pupil and so that would actually end up saving teachers jobs you could also hire an additional teacher assistant for every other classroom so just giving more hands on deck that's going to be an important thing that we should consider moving forward as we've had all of this creative collaboration maybe in addition to shaking up what we do in the classrooms we really shake up how the funding has because we know it really isn't working number one you have really high disparities across the districts. You have one that doesn't have any devices at all. They have used textbooks. The building is old and dingy, and it's just where the students live. And then you have other schools in the district. Obviously, they're brand new, but they're in a more affluent area. They have a lot of nice things. They have a really high booster club. Even taking the money that you receive across your district and spreading it out so there's less of a disparity depending on where you are, I understand that not everyone comes from affluent backgrounds, but if we can not make such a difference in how the students learn and make a more equalized playing field for students, we'll have a much greater level of success and they'll be happier teachers. It just, it just really will trickle into other places to really increase that engagement amongst them. I'm also linking that article below so you can check that out as well. Second to last thing is talking about race in our classrooms. We've seen over the last few weeks and here in Austin really felt it. I live a couple of blocks away from the police headquarters and this week was really crazy with helicopters and you see the people um, you know, protesting on the highway and although it was meaningful, um, it really opened a lot of people's eyes to, to the issue of race and equity. That's something that we do need to recognize in the school. We so easily brush it under the rug. The truth is, is that everybody sees color. Everyone sees different features in everyone. And we know that to be true in our classrooms. We see kids being made fun of because they're different. And everyone has an inherently bias towards something. It's just something that you learn. So we really just need to try to welcome and recognize that. So doing some part of the PBL project can always be some community-based 
you know, leadership or something like that. So having the schools, you know, giving to the less fortunate or really representing that are really working together to make sure that we are doing right by our students and they're going to need it. Not only are they going to need to have those discussions, but COVID-19 has been a very disrupting time for a lot of students. And if you don't feel the anxiety and pressure, I can guarantee that they do too. They don't understand why they can't see their friends. Just a lot of things that have impacted them, you know, very traumatically. So having those race and equity conversations are really going to be important and really welcoming that everybody is different. If we do this cohesively across the nation, we'll have just a much happier, more welcoming society than we've had before. There's a lot of racism, there's a lot of hate, there's a lot of injustice that's kind of come through in this time. Although it doesn't seem like our place, we do need to, as, a, as educational leaders, we do need to put our foot down and really recognize race. There's some really great activities that I'll list below that kind of help with that. And just really understanding and saying that it is okay to be different. Everybody is different. And then the last thing that has really come into the forefront and has been in really heavy in a lot of the teachers' discussions is the issue of digital safety. With students being at home and parents working, you know, the involvement levels are different, but students have really been on devices a lot more. And so, you know, we've seen things like the Zoom bombings and we've seen the really inappropriate comments coming through and just different things like that. But I think if we can take anything away from this week and from, you know, just Jimmy Fallon himself when he has a video that resurfaced when he was blackface doing something like that. If something like that can pop up or Kevin Hart's tweets from 20 years ago popping up to resurface, we really need to show our students that we do need to be digitally safe and how important it is to be because we don't want them communicating, you know, with people that they shouldn't be communicating with, which is really highlighted during this time frame. Development, making professional development changes, PBL and the importance of project-based learning that school should not return to normal and I am encouraging you to not do that. How budget effects are going to really affect our school system and seeing the positions of cutting and how there's a different proposal that we could come to be. That race is an issue that we will need to talk about in our schools as well as trauma from COVID-19 and then encouraging our students to be digitally safe. I hope you enjoyed this content. If you did, please like, share, and share your comments below. Thank you again. My name is Lena Zala and the Tech Guru. Bye-bye.